time for the latest in sports debate. The hottest topics, the biggest question marks, answered right now. This is The Critical Eye with Erie Sports Now's Isaac Petcash. Well, on a Monday morning with a fresh coat of snow on the ground and a fresh face of Sunday football above us, we welcome you into the Critical Eye podcast. Isaac Petcash, Joe Lanesti joining me today on a overreaction Monday that's going to have some fireworks today because we have a lot to talk about. I have a lot to get off my chest. We're going to talk about the Buffalo Bills and the fact that looks like now they might be back on the right track after beating New England. We'll get to the Cleveland Browns as well and how they're not on the right rails at the moment. But we're going to start with this. You know, when I was younger, and I, and I think when a lot of people were younger, did you ever remember being around, say, your grandparents or even your parents, and that they would always tell you, man, this guy is super good with technology. All these phones, these gadgets, gizmos, devices, these computers, all I ever had was a flip phone. I didn't have any of this. They are so tech savvy. They're ahead of the times. And I'm sure when you know, we grow up and, and we have kids, it's going to be my goodness, do you see what our kids are doing with those floating cars and those invisible gadgets and, and the ability to you know, think telepathically into the mind of others with the new technology? I'm sure we're going to say that too. But I don't necessarily ever thought that I was ahead of the times. I just thought I was with the times because times change. And where I'm getting at is a lot of those settings is what I saw yesterday in a different way. There's going to be a lot of talk this morning about how the Pittsburgh Steelers are over their heads and they're old and they're just not with the Kansas City Chiefs. And there's also going to be a lot of talk at, look at Kansas City. They're on their way maybe to a third straight Super Bowl. Their offense is super creative. They have a great mobile throwing quarterback who can throw the ball sidearm, underarm, below his butt, below above his head. Who cares? They're ahead of the times. But what if it wasn't that Kansas City wasn't ahead of the times? That's just how the NFL is. And what if it's that the Pittsburgh Steelers are just refusing to adapt to the NFL today? Joe, what I saw yesterday was a team that was willing to make changes to their roster years ago that has led them to six straight AFC West Division titles. On the other side, I saw a team that's refused to move on They've refused to change. They refused to adapt. And because of that, they got smoked by a team that's with the times. What do you make of the loss last night? Well, boy, Merry Christmas, bud. Uh, I tell you, there's a lot of, a lot of layers to this. And I think that my biggest question would be this. How many brand new starting linemen do the Chiefs have? The answer to that is five. Yeah, they they redid their entire entire line. How many starting new starting offensive linemen did the Steelers have? That would be four, almost the same number. You can make the argument yeah. five. And one looks like that, and the other looks like this, right? Um, I I don't know. I mean, I think that you know you can make the argument that the Steelers are a lot like Penn State, right? You know, they've got an awesome defense. They've got some pretty good skill guys. 
and they got a quarterback. And if you can get him going in, in rhythm, you know, you can win some games. Uh, the difference being is that 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 line is just not it's not there, man. It's just not. And when you look at the Chiefs, they were awful at one point this year. Remember that? And then they were a defensive juggernaut. Then they've gotten better. And now they're right back to where we anticipated them being. Um, I, I mean, everybody wants to blame the offensive coordinator, which I think is crazy because we all know Ben calls all the plays, at least the good ones anyway. The offensive coordinator calls all the bad ones. Um, it's time to start looking at uh, – time to start looking at the, uh, the GM, the coach. I mean, maybe, maybe this is time for a total rebuild. You know, this is this is what really got to me, Joe, yesterday, and, and this is the frustrating part of the whole season. If you're a Steelers fan, you can't tell me you didn't know that was going to happen yesterday, that you didn't have, despite what you might tell your friends, that, oh, Travis Kelsey's out, so maybe this team has a chance. Maybe it can be a low-scoring battle. There's not a single Pittsburgh Steeler fan that bleeds black and gold that didn't believe in their heart of hearts that Kansas City was going to come into that game and romp all over them, and it was evident from the very beginning. This team, and this was an incredible stat, maybe the most incredible stat I've seen from CBS in their history. Five consecutive games now, the Steelers have not scored a first-half touchdown. The last time that happened was 1940, when the team had zero Super Bowls, and the NFL was just starting to get its feet under them. But I saw a team yesterday on the football field that didn't look like they wanted to play. That didn't look like they really cared. The only energy they showed is celebrating incomplete passes that were borderline pass interference calls down 23 to nothing in the second half. Did you see guys like Tyree Kill and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Patrick Mahomes spill their guts after every single play or every single mediocre play? No, they just kept playing. I'm old enough to remember yesterday when Clyde Edwards-Hilaire completely ran over Robert Spillane like he was a feather and then walked into the end zone when the Steelers' defense couldn't get any pressure on Patrick Mahomes and gave him three hours to throw. Do you see New England huffing and puffing and pouting and beating their chest when they're down by 12 to Buffalo yesterday? No, they shut up and play. Did you watch New Orleans when they were good for years and years and years. Did you see Drew Brees celebrating all over the field when his team was down by 20 plus points? You didn't see that. This team is the epitome of what the Steelers never wanted to be. And there was a great, great tweet yesterday from Ryan Clark that said, this team is nowhere near the same team that I was on a few years back, but that's not the first time he's tweeted that. And Joe, to me, the inconsistencies now are alarming. Yeah, you've had a couple of decent wins. Great. They were comeback wins. But this team, every single week, used to put fear into opponents. And now the fans are fearful of what's going to happen with them. I just think right now at this point in time, the best thing right now to happen to the Steelers is likely to lose out and make some changes because this is not going to get better. Even if Ben Roethlisberger retires and they get a quote unquote better quarterback in 2022. Yeah. I think that's interesting because, you know, I, I think that, and maybe this is a bad week to, to make this reference, but still uh, they were pretty impressive yesterday. I mean, look how bad the Eagles were, right? Like literally Nick Sirianni wouldn't run the ball. He wouldn't do this. He wouldn't do, 
now all of a sudden, you know, they're the best running offense in the NFL. And I'll be honest with you, I would not want to play the Eagles. But think about where they've been to where they are. I mean, you talk about, I mean, and we bang on, I bang on Sirianni all the time. And, and the Eagles, the, the Philly media does not like him at all. But I would almost give him coach of the year because he was smart enough or maybe not arrogant enough or, you know, had the wherewithal to totally change what he was doing mid-year, Isaac. And now all of a sudden the Eagles have won, what, five of six, they're eight and seven, they're a playoff team, they're screwing things up, but so are the Colts because, you know, they got the three, you know, they got, they got three number ones. I don't know if Jalen Hurts is the guy, but, like, it's almost like the Steelers are so beholden to Ben, so beholden to this, this concept. And, you know, I don't, you know, I love how they want to blame Matt Canada. My God, I mean, how many offensive coordinators can can he go through, right? And it, 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 at some right. point, someone would be like, wait a minute. Maybe it's not not the offensive coordinator's fault. Um, you know, maybe maybe they're just not very good. It, they certainly aren't. You know, Kevin Colbert, you know, still gets all the praise in the world for drafting Antonio Brown. But uh, Kendrick Green certainly looks like a wasted pick. They drafted a punter last year. And, you know, I feel bad that, you know, he lost his father. Um but you know, I I don't get it. Um, oh boy, I, I don't I don't know how I don't know how they cannot change their way. And I think they need to change their way. Uh, but then again, that offensive line probably doesn't allow them to just all of a sudden become a run dominant team. But again, right. I think um, again, and maybe the Eagles are a bad parallel, but I just think that speaks volumes. Yeah to what a team can be when they right. went from the beginning of the year, totally unwilling, unwilling, not unable, unwilling to throw or to, to run the ball. And now they become this juggernaut on the ground and nobody can stop them. But obviously Miles Sanders, we wait for the results of that MRI, but you know, Jalen hurt, but Jalen hurts is not Ben Roethlisberger. And maybe the Steelers are limited in turn. Have they, have they can't just change, but I don't really see any drastic philosophical changes that the Steelers have made. They continue to run out the same formula that obviously doesn't work. Well, let me, let me, let me go off your point, Joe and Jovan Johnson joining us here. So Jovan, I'm going to throw this right to you. We're talking Steelers chiefs and in, in the overall changes, you know, Joe, you made a good point. Nick Sirianni came in supposed to be this offensive coach. And for the first few weeks, the Eagles struggled being adjusted. Mike Tomlin's a defensive coach. And if I were to tell you coming into the game last Sunday, that Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey would have combined for two catches and 19 yards. Would you have told me the final score was going to be 36 to 10 for the Steeler defense? That's supposed to be the cream of the crop with this team that was fully healthy. I know TJ Watt had a bit of an injury, but he was out there. Jovan, it just it, it seems like this team refuses to adapt to the nuances of the new NFL. They're so stuck in their ways. And that killed them last night. I mean, I was watching third and fourth string tight ends gash the Steelers for 20 yards, and there was still a reluctance to change things. Yeah, the Steelers just struggled all night, offensively, defensively, and on special teams. I mean, they didn't they didn't have all three phases going at all. Uh, you know, when the defense is supposed to be the cream of the crop, I mean, Patrick Mahomes and company just kind of shredded those guys and made them look average at best. Um, you know, you had Travis Kelsey not in not on in the lineup. 
Tyreek Hill, very not effective, but you got guys like Byron Pringle and, you know, all these other no-name guys that, you know, Patrick Mahomes make look like all-stars versus that Steelers defense. So, you know, at the end of the day, you got to give the Chiefs credit, but the Steelers, I think it's about time for everybody to stop putting them on a pedestal and, and let them blow everything up and start all over because th- this team is not going to get it done. You know, four years ago when these two teams met in Pittsburgh, you could have made the argument the Steelers were within contention of Kansas City, right? The game where the Chiefs went up 24 nothing at Heinz Field, I believe it was week two. Steelers come all the way back to tie the game and eventually lose close. That At that point, you could have said, well, maybe this Pittsburgh team is just maybe a year or two away, a couple of pieces from having that ultimate success. Yesterday, you could tell that the gap had widened significantly, and that's a problem. And listen, I, I, you know, here's, here's my take. You guys tell me if I'm, if I'm too overblown on this. The way I see it right now, it's a detriment for Pittsburgh to win out and potentially be a playoff team. Because I think one of the cruxes, one of the things that the Steelers, you know, maybe the, the Pittsburgh media or, or other Steeler fans, and, and I'm guilty as charged, I'm one of them, have said about Mike Tomlin is, well, he's never had a losing season as a head coach. Well, let's look beyond the numbers here. No losing seasons works for the Cleveland Browns or it works for the Jacksonville Jaguars or the New York Jets. This is supposed to be one of, if not the best franchise in football, one of only three teams with six Super Bowls, one of the only teams that had great defense and has had great defense throughout its entirety of the franchise. But when you tell me that, no losing seasons have only attributed to three playoff wins in the last 11 years. That's a problem. And, and, and Mike Tomlin preaches the standard is the standard. What's the standard in Pittsburgh right now? I just, I think to me, a playoff spot does this team more detriment than it does good down the road. I, I don't disagree, but you know, the, the problem you run into is that then what, what do you address and, and how realistic is, is that, is that option? I mean, where they, they missed the playoffs, where do they draft? I mean, they need, they need to figure out, you know, who they are, what, what the plan is going to be post Roethlisberger. Um, I don't, I don't believe that group of offensive linemen right now is, is going to be, you know, who it needs to be moving forward. So, you know, maybe this isn't the year, maybe this is a, Maybe this is a two-year remodeling and, and not just an overnight quick flip. Because, uh, again, I think that they're, they're flawed in some pretty important places. And, again, I think the, the easiest comparison is Penn State. I mean, if they're, if they're playing seven-on-seven seven football, the Steelers are, are as good as anyone, and their defense is legit. But, you know, that offensive line doesn't get a push. And, you know, obviously Roethlisberger is no spring chicken mobility is an is an issue you know i thought even though he gets on my nerves and says some really dumb stuff i, I thought that the romo the, describing mahomes in a pirouette away you know pirouetting away from the, the rush um you know they he needs a, a wall in front of him he needs a downhill bunch of road graders they don't have it and i'm not certain they're there um they, they burnt some you know we already talked about kendrick green they burnt some equity on him some draft capital uh, obviously Villanueva wasn't the answer. He's still a human turnstile in Baltimore, but I, I don't know if, I don't know if Joe Vaughn, you can look at the Steelers and think, ah, they're a quarterback away. They've got some big issues a- along that defensive front as well. I mean, they, 
Has there been a NFL draft where they only drafted linemen? I mean, can, is there enough, is there enough guys out there to only draft linemen, you know, offensive and defensive linemen uh, that they would have some cap room next year to make some splashes, but you know, you look, Javon, Har- Javon Hargrave went to, to Philly. They never really replaced him. Um, there's going to be some really difficult questions. And I got to, I got to ask, you know, Kevin Colbert's gone. Does Mike Tomlin follow suit? Um, you know, Roethlisberger's got, I mean, who is going to be the one that makes these decisions? Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a tough uphill battle, you know, trying to replace so many guys going into uh, next year. I think you, you, you do need to have, uh, plan going forward where you you give it a year or two uh, maybe even three years of a remodel because it's not going to look the same next year you know they're going to have to make some moves you know they their struggles come from the quarterback position that that's going to be a big move that they have to make going forward you know whether they use the last two weeks of the season to to audition for you know the other two quarterbacks that they do have on their roster to see if they're going to be um, in the fold going forward or not um, then they also have to make some decisions with the offensive and defensive lines. Like, yes, TJ Watt and Cam Hayward will be around, but you know, everybody else is expendable. Like, you, you, nobody has done anything to warrant being a, a person that stays on this team going forward. You know, and, and Najee Harris is a, is a running back that can get the job done, but you got to get, you got to create some push up front. He's not getting, the the blocks where he's able to to make guys miss on the second level he's getting touched at the first level of the defense and that that's a problem um you know and then the the middle two linebackers are are obviously you know one of the big capital busts that they have right now they they haven't really made any plays made any noise Devin Bush and company haven't really shown up um the secondary I think I think you know collectively as a whole has played okay um, you know, although they could have made more plays, but, you know, at the end of the day, when you're facing a guy like Patrick Mahomes, it's tough at best, you know, it's a tough sledding, no matter who is out there on the field. So, you know, they definitely need to make some decisions and, and who's going to make those decisions. Is it going to be Tomlin? Is it going to be the general manager? I mean, who knows? Um, you know, maybe Tomlin does book it on the next thing, uh, smoking and go somewhere else where he can kind of, kind of rebuild and, and re-resurrect his career because, you know, being a playoff caliber team and only having three playoff wins in eleven in eleven years that that's that that's a a big disaster in my opinion and and uh, what the Steelers' expect, expectations are. You know, Joe. Hey, I just want to say I re- I saw this yesterday and I thought it was really telling and it's a f- even bigger kick in the midsection than the outcome yesterday. But some one of the one of the K- K- Kansas City beat reporters or some one of the talking heads from Kansas City. Said the Chiefs turned the Chiefs season turned around when they stole Melvin Ingram from the Steelers for nothing. Well, I think I think that's a representation just of where these two teams are as a whole. I mean, Melvin Ingram, say what you say what you want about him, how good he is, we don't know. Obviously, he he stopped a fourth and one play, in my opinion, because he knew exactly what the play was going to be. But I mean, listen, w- when you outwardly tell reporters that you would rather be somewhere else. And then you go to a team and then perform. There's a reason behind it. And I think Melvin Ingram's a good epitome of that. Jovan, you make a good point. Uh, These last two weeks might be a good time to try out new guys, see what you have with your team. But you know that won't happen. You know that's not going to be the case. And listen, this is a Steeler team that's going to probably beat Cleveland next Monday night and the optimism comes back again. But at this point, 
I don't know. We'll see. Seven, seven, one feels a lot like three and 10 at this point. All right, let's shift to this. Nostalgia is a problem. The NFL. Oh, is it ever? We just talked about the Pittsburgh Steelers. They have a nostalgia problem. You know who else is a nostalgia problem? The media with the New England Patriots. I don't want to say I told you so, but I told you so. I don't, I'm not right all the time, but I was right here. Three weeks ago, every single person on planet Earth was talking about how the New England Patriots were going to be in the AFC championship game. That once again, the playoff field would run through Foxborough, just like it did when Tom Brady was at the helm for so many years and won his six Super Bowls in New England. How wonderful it was going to be for all those Boston fans to see New England back where they belong at the top of the playoff food chain. We overestimate most of us in the NFL teams depending on what their logo is, right? We've seen in the last couple of years that the Cleveland Browns and their success, and we're going to get to them in a bit, but maybe we overestimated it a little bit. We always knew Cleveland was a mediocre team. We just didn't want to admit it. And now we're seeing with New England that, oh, wait a second. The last 20 years of success doesn't mean that a nine and four team can just waltz their way into the playoffs. Guys, I watched yesterday and I'm sure you guys watched the game too. I watched Mac Jones act like a rookie quarterback and you can't blame him for that. He's in his first year in the NFL, but the people were talking about, is he a Tom Brady comparable? He's in his rookie year. He's making mistakes that showed yesterday. And I watched his Buffalo still abandoning the run game, picked apart the Patriots defense. You know what that reminded me of? A lot of a few years back when New England would do the same thing to the Bills in Orchard Park with Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and Julian Edelman. The way I saw it yesterday, gentlemen, the right team won the game. Buffalo is the better team. I still think their defense has a few holes. I think giving up 103 yards and three touchdowns to Damian Harris isn't a good thing. But I think yesterday the right team won. Your guys' thoughts on the Buffalo Bills as they now reclaim the AFC East lead. Well, if you're going to take the time to say I told you so, uh, so am I. Uh, I thought I thought that was a, exactly what we had talked about, Joe Vaughn, and certainly um, a, a good job by by the Bills. You know, they to pretend as if that you know it's just all about one side of the ball. Uh, I mean, he he was he looked very pedestrian. Fourteen of thirty-two, one forty-five, two interceptions, QPR at thirty-nine. Uh, a rating of 31-4. Uh, I just thought I just thought the young buck got uh, you know had had it put to him a little bit, and that that Bills defense that you know we get excited about or we're excited about that we question where it had been. I mean, I thought that came back to the forefront. Uh, they've got some dudes there, and obviously, you know, with Josh Allen, um, they've got they've got one of the best in the business. I thought he was really really good yesterday. Um, you know, it, it did get, it did get hairy. I don't think that the gap is that wide. I think the gap is probably quarterback play, um, in time that may close, but Josh Allen's a pretty good one. Uh, the, the bills, you know, I, I guess my question would be if the bills didn't have that stretch, right. And you know, that, that stretch of, the Jaguars, and then they got beat up by the Colts. Um, you know, they, they got, I don't want to say embarrassed, but got embarrassed by the Patriots. It's hard to get embarrassed, you know, losing 14 to 10. They've just had some real clunk, right? And I think I think we sort of hitch our wagon to that, forget about 
everything else. But remember, we talked about the one possession games. You know, they're they're a field goal away, touchdown away from from getting to extra time or winning at the Titans. Who, by the way, I don't, I still don't know how they lost to the uh, to the Steelers. Uh, you know, they've got some close games that are losses. So I don't know if if we are putting our eggs in the right basket in talk in terms of how we evaluate. The Bills, you are what your record says you are, obviously. But they have three losses, three losses by a combined 10 points. Um, That's one play. So I I think when we look at the Bills, and yes, they do have some clunkers, you know, they're five, six plays away. And you can make, you know, a lot of teams you can make this argument for, but they're five, six plays away, Jovan, from us having a very, very different tone about this team. And I don't know if that's fair or not. But come playoff time, boy, Josh Allen's a tough customer. Well, let me add something to Jovan before you make a point. And, and Joe, you, you've got a decent point, but, but I'll add this. I mean, yesterday's game was indicative of how the Bills have won all season long. They really never – I don't think they ever trailed in the game. They were up early. They kept the lead. They kept the two-touchdown lead. And, and Jovan, one of the things that I'm seeing now for Buffalo is – we all talk about September struggle struggles for lots of NFL teams. I think Buffalo had theirs at the end of October and the beginning of November, but now you look at Buffalo and you think to yourself, well, the hard road was the last five weeks and Buffalo. Well, bumpy, they managed it. And you look at their schedule, they get Atlanta at home and the New York jets. I mean, is it, is it advantageous for Buffalo to maybe have had their Rocky spot in the middle of the season instead of the beginning of the season. And I mean, do you think, do you think they're on a track now to get back to the AFC title game? I think it's time for them to, to start building some momentum. I think the schedule shapes out for them to get back on track um, and try to have some momentum going into the playoffs because they're going to be a playoff team for sure. Um, You know, with their schedule, the way it's set up uh, gives them a chance to work on some things, um, you know, get back to who they were. You know, that middle stretch of the season where they where they lost so so many close games, you know, those one possession games where you, you just can't figure a way to get off the field or put the ball in the end zone. You know, the one game they went for um went for it and, and the quarterback slipped on, on fourth down. Um, you know, they they could arguably be, you know, one or two loss, three loss team and and not what their record indicates. So they're better than, you know, what people give them credit for, you know, because last year they shown the ability to win those close games. And this year, you know, they're not, they're not getting it done um, every single outing when they, when they have a close game. But I think the Buffalo Bills are, are trending in the right direction, um, getting back on track. I still don't like the fact that they refused to run the ball. I recall last night um, they were a six point or 12 point uh, and with a 12 point lead, the Patriots score. And then, you know, they go back, and it's about six minutes left in the game, and they throw the ball three times in a row. The third down uh, play, Josh Allen scrambled for a first down uh, and kept the drive alive, and then they go down and and score more points. But, you know, just to get – you know, I don't know what the logic is behind, you know, those types of games where they want to just throw the ball all over the field. They go back to who they are. Uh, But you want to get the clock moving in that instance because you don't want to be throwing the ball – wasting precious time they just brought it within five and you throwing the ball and only wasting 18 seconds off the clock and giving them the ball right back you know that's a recipe for disaster and I think that's why they haven't um, won those close games 
because they refused to run the ball. Uh, the Steelers game was the same sort of recipe. They were up 10 uh, right before the half, and, and they threw the ball three times, and Steelers got the ball back and scored. You know, and that, that's, the, that's the reason why the Bills aren't winning those tough games. The, the inability to run the ball, whether it be the offensive line, the play calling, or whatever the case may be, you know, the, their inability to run the ball is, is really costing them big time. Uh, in, in games where you, you have to be able to run the ball to get the clock moving late in the game so you can pull it out. Uh, and I think that's what's going to set it up for the playoffs for them is, is, is are they going to be who they are or are they, are they going to do some things different to, to try to manage the clock a little bit better? Because you know their offense can score with the best of them. Well, and you look at the uh, AFC. Hang on, Isaac, I, I, I got I to I make a quick point here, Joe, because, because I, I really think that this is something to hammer down. You, you do talk about the rest of the AFC. I mean, look at the playoff picture, and I don't want to say being in a division-leading spot is a good thing, is a bad thing for Buffalo, but you look at the wildcard teams, Indianapolis, we need not say anything about Jonathan Taylor, New England, well, you've seen that Damian Harris has rushed for over 300 yards in the two games against New England. Uh, Joe, Joe, Von, I, I want to put this out to both of you, and Joe, you can make your point. Do you think Buffalo would benefit from trying a run heavy approach to these last two weeks, even if it means the games are close, because I think we all agree they can beat Atlanta. They can beat the jets just fine, but it almost seems to me like this team might benefit from one of those close fight to the finish games where you have to run the football to seal off the clock. I, I wish they would. Um, you know, the reason I there again, you know, yesterday, yeah, they ran it 28 times, but 12 of those was, was Josh Allen. I just, I wish they would. I wish they'd commit to it. I don't think they will. I don't, I think there's more similarities to the bills and the Steelers than, than maybe we'd like to admit in terms, in terms of being, um, you know, so beholden to the scheme, uh, especially because they do have a pretty good offensive line. I, I mean, I don't understand. I don't understand how, they don't or or won't or don't want to um run the ball i mean you know mitch morse is one of the better centers in the in the nfl and you know that's a, a key spot to successfully run the ball I, I don't i don't get that but i wanted to get i want to get your thoughts because i and i know he didn't have a great game yesterday but i i find these very odd twitter arguments that i, I sort of like to watch and poke and prod at but if you had if you had one pick you could only pick between the two to start your NFL franchise and you had your choice between Dawson Knox of the bills or Mark Andrews, the tight end in Baltimore, which one are you taking? This is a great argument. Either one of these guys could be the best tight end in the league next year. I don't know. I take Mark Andrews. I think it's close, but I mean, did you see what he did yesterday in a loss? I mean, that guy has been unreal and he also screwed over my fantasy team. Thanks, John Leidick, because he uh, was one of four players that got over 30 points. I don't know. I take Andrews, but I mean, Jovan Dawson Knox has really come alive. And I, and I think part of that is thanks to Allen's ability to run the football. He gets out of the pocket. And a lot of those times, I know, he, you know, he doesn't have the greatest speed, but when your tight ends can find those holes, they're the biggest and easiest targets to find. I mean, Jovan Dawson Knox has had a great season. And to me, uh, you and Joe, I want to I want to back off your point here. It's a really good point. Uh, I would tell Josh Allen first of all to start sliding because he's going to get himself killed. But the similarities to an early Ben and Roethlisberger, I think, are accurate. I, and I even think Allen's better, stronger arm. He's got better awareness down the field. He can run the football. I, I mean, Joe Vaughn, and obviously with Ben, you know, he had the likes of Heath Miller and company in the tight end spot. 
Jovan, it just seems to me like, like guys like Dawson Knox, and it's a good, good point, Joe. I mean, if not for tight ends on these two teams with the Bills and Ravens, I don't think they have nearly as many wins. Yeah, that, that's a that's a hell of a of a argument to make. Um, you know, who would you start your franchise with if you can only choose one of those two players? They're both incredibly talented. They both can do so many great things. So I mean, I guess it would have to come down to who's your offensive coordinator and what style of offense are they going to try to incorporate? Because um, Dawson Knox, you could put him out, you could split him out as a as a wide out, and and he can get the best of of the corners and DBs of that nature. And then, you know, with he, uh, Mark Andrews, he's more of a, you know, one-on-one with the linebackers and safeties. He could win those battles. So, I mean, it, it all depends on, on what type of scheme you want to use. But, you know, I would, if I'm going and sticking with a true tight end and we're going to run the ball, I'm going to go with Mark Andrews uh, because he has the ability to block um, at a high level and then also can get open versus linebackers and safeties. But, you know, if I'm going to go spread them out and I'm going to put the tight end out in space, I'm taking uh, I'm taking Knox because he 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 could just win one on one at whenever he wants to. And he's, he's hella athletic and he can do a lot of different things. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, both of these teams have had production from their tight end position. And, and that's the, that goes to show that, you know, those are two key contributors. But, you know, I think the Buffalo Bills have to start using knocks a little bit more I think he he's probably he he was up you know creating crazy numbers early and then he kind of tailed off a little bit uh then he had the touchdown in the last game you know but you know I think they need to start utilizing them more they they've been trying to get the ball to dig so much um and then McKenzie I mean where did he come from my goodness he he made Cole Beasley he made Cole Beasley very expendable um, considering all his COVID uh, issues and things that, that surround him right now, uh, McKenzie and the way he played made him an expendable player. So, you know, you, you, you got some talented players on this roster, um, but if you're going to live and die throwing the football, I think it's just going to come back to haunt you and bite you in the butt um, because ne- now you have two games where you can really try to focus on the run game. I would bring in an extra offensive lineman, put him at fullback and, and just try to create some holds for the running backs and, and see what we can do uh, in the running game for the Buffalo Bills, because I think that's going to be their kryptonite in the playoffs. If if they get up big on a team by 10 or 12 or 14 points and they refuse to run the ball, I think that's going to come back to haunt them. And it's going to be one of the worst ways to lose a game is to not run the football when you're up. Well, and remember a couple things. Number one, Ravens-Bills could be a potential playoff matchup by the end of the year. Also, remember number two, where the Buffalo Bills play. Orchard Park isn't too akin to great weather in the month of January. So Buffalo, as we saw in the New England game, they got to run the football and they got to figure out a way. So we'll see if they can do that against a pretty pitiful and weak Atlanta defense and then the New York Jets, who are a total dumpster fire as they've been for the last decade. All right, let's let's shift to this. Um Browns fans maybe put on some earmuffs that you got for Christmas from grandma. You know, we have a lot of threads. We have a lot of things we talk about on this show, storylines, people that come up repetitively. The same people normally make their way to the forefront of the conversation, as is the case in the NFL. Every week with the Cleveland Browns, whether it's a win or loss, we talk about Baker Mayfield. We talked about him earlier in the season why the Odell Beckham concern was potentially his fault, but more it was Odell. 
Although now I see Odell catching touchdown passes in LA. He seems to be doing just fine. We talk about his emotion, playing through injuries, all of that. The problem that we have, though, with Baker is we've really never talked about anything positive with him. And he seems to get frustrated with that throughout the entire season. Baker, the emotional one. Baker talking about how it's on me. I don't understand why you guys are so frustrated with me, media in Cleveland. You know, Nick Mullins last week, he didn't win the Browns the game, but he, he didn't lose in the game. Case Keenum, I remember back a few weeks ago on a Thursday night against Denver, didn't play poorly enough to lose that game for Cleveland. The Browns have made it very obvious throughout the entire season. This is a team that is loaded with talent that can play against any team in the NFL and come close, as was evident on Saturday when they came within two points of beating arguably the best team in the NFL, the Green Bay Packers. At what point, guys, are the Cleveland Browns going to confirm in their minds or are people going to believe that Baker Mayfield is not the answer? We've talked about nostalgia. We've talked about wanting to hold on to something that you think is good. For years and years and years, the Browns have had rotating turnstiles at quarterback. And now they think, excuse me, that they might finally have somebody that's better than the rest of them. Here's what Baker is. He's a moderately decent quarterback who has a good game from time to time that's better than the other guys the Browns have had, but he's not the answer. Can we make that clear? Can, can, we, can we be honest with ourselves here? Baker Mayfield is no longer the answer in Cleveland, and this team is in shambles. And any Browns fan out there, I apologize that you had to believe for years this was your guy. He's not. End of conversation. And I think this team, to me, is the most disappointing team in the NFL all season. Well, I'm going to take a different, you know, I watched that game a lot and, you know, was seeing the, the tweets. And first of all, that was a penalty uh, that was horrible, but that's not why you lost. I do think Baker Mayfield is the answer. I know that that's shocking, but the problem is, is that you people are asking the wrong question. Um, he just needs to be Ryan Tannehill. Um, maybe Alex Van Pelt's the problem, guys. They were literally, as a team, averaging nine yards a carry. And yet, Mayfield still throws it 36 times. Um, so, you know, statistically speaking, if you take the interceptions and touchdowns away, Mayfield and, and Rodgers had a very similar game. Um, obviously, the interceptions for Mayfield jump out, but so do the five stacks for the, the Packers, which, for the most part, is a non-existent pass rush. Um, I, I think that this is a schematic issue. I, I think you're asking, there's a reason you don't, you, you can't turn a plow horse into a racehorse and vice versa. Um, and, you know, Joe and I have talked about this at nauseum about paying them. I, I think you need to, I think you need to ask a different question. And I think you need to lower the expectation when it comes to Baker Mayfield. Mahomes, he is not, but that's fine. I mean, not how many teams legitimately have you know franchise quarterbacks i mean legitimately how many teams have guys i mean you again look at the Titans. i mean ryan Tannehill is not a dude that you get excited about building your franchise around you know the jury's still out on jalen hurts but i mean they're winning i mean i i don't they've got the ability to win games in a non-sexy way um they don't necessarily do it they got a lot of stars in the defensive side of the ball 
Um, I, I don't know. Maybe was Miles Garrett on the COVID list? I don't know. I thought I thought he was playing. Uh, maybe he wasn't. I don't know. They didn't get a sack on Rodgers. So, I mean, yes, it's really easy, really easy to look at Baker Mayfield in the three pick. I think if you ask Baker Mayfield to do things that he's not capable of doing it, and then you look and you say, um, is that Mayfield's fault? Or is that the guy asking him to do its fault? Well, here's here's hold on, Joe. Here's my problem. Joe Vaughn, we can get to you in a second. This is my question I would get back. How does Cleveland get better with Baker at quarterback? I mean, we talked all throughout the offseason about this revamped defense, and although they haven't necessarily lived up to their potential, oh, I, I, they have a couple of pro bowlers on the defensive side. And, and on the offensive side of the football, this was a Super Bowl-caliber roster with the likes of Beckham and Landry and the tight ends, and even with Beckham <coughs> gone. I just don't see how it's possible to move forward with this guy at quarterback and think that you're going to be any better. I mean, look, have we ever had a conversation – about Baker playing so well, but his team lost him the game. I mean, you know, at what point do we have to hold Baker to a different standard? And you mentioned Ryan Tannehill. Well, Ryan Tannehill isn't throwing 30 interceptions a season. He's not making costly mistakes. Baker is incapable of doing that. We've, I mean, it's been so obvious. He throws horrendous passes at big times. And I, and I look at a guy, too, if you're, if you're going to talk about the team hasn't played well around him, I mean, look at a guy like Josh Allen with the Bills. During the stretch, we just talked about it. Their defense couldn't stop the run. Buffalo doesn't have a running game, and yet Josh Allen was still nearly a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback, and Buffalo's a nine, going to be an 11-win team by the season's end, and they're going to be a division winner. I, I mean, also, to look at this, here's my other point, too. Who are the division leaders right now in the NFL? You go down the AFC, in the West, it's Kansas City. Oh, they have Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback, arguably, in the division. You can make the case for Justin Herbert. How about the AFC South? Well, it's Tennessee, but Indianapolis is closing fairly fast, and I think Ryan Tannehill and Carson Wentz are comparable, the best quarterbacks in the division. Who's the leader of the AFC North? Oh, it's, it's Joe Burrow and the Bengals. I don't want to hear about Lamar Jackson. Joe Burrow can throw a football incredibly well, and although Jackson can run, he is not the best quarterback in that division. And then you continue along in the NFC, Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott, Matthew Stafford, three of the four division leaders in the NFC. Oh, by the way, who's the other one? Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, in my opinion. So what does that tell you? You need to get the quarterback right to have success. And we've seen this with so many teams that have potential but haven't had success. Jovan, you ha- I mean, you've been in the NFL before, and I know you're a defensive player. I get that. But am I wrong to say you have to have the quarterback right? I mean, the, uh, we go back to this argument. What? How many teams that have been in and won the Super Bowl have had a mediocre quarterback? Not many. Not many at all. Yeah, I agree uh, to a certain extent. You know, one thing about the quarterback position is, is it's the most often criticized position on the field. And a lot of times they take the blunt reaction of all fans, media, and everybody else involved because – you know, the, the success comes and goes through them. Um, you know, I've seen Ben Roethlisberger um, back when I was with the Steelers um, take us to a very subpar season. He had 20 interceptions, I believe, in, in 2006, um, and we were 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, And But the year before, you know, he was a, the same quarterback that took them to the championship and won the Super Bowl. And then the year after, 
you know, they won the Super Bowl again. So it, it, it all depends on, you know, the, the quarterback play and, and their consistency throughout the year, uh, being able to, to throw balls under pressure and do things uh, that are expected of them. But, you know, with the quarterback play, I don't think that Baker Mayfield is per se the answer for the Browns, but he, I can also, you know, realistically say that he could be if, if you know, things worked in his favor a little bit more. The issue that surrounds Baker Mayfield is is expectation. When you're a Heisman Trophy winner, a number one overall pick, you know, your expectation levels are way different than, say, a Dak Prescott who got drafted in the fourth round, didn't win the Heisman, and et cetera. You know, you, you have that different expectations. Guys like Robert Griffin III, he had that same type of ceiling of expectation that everybody thought he was supposed to be because you when you win the Heisman and you get drafted that high, your expectations change. So Baker is, is one of those guys. He's, all, he's just a casualty of expectation. And no matter what happens going forward, you know, everybody's always going to label him a Heisman Trophy win, uh, winner and also the number one overall pick. And, and you you got to live up to that expectation. Can he do it? Of course, we've seen him do it, um, but we haven't seen it consistently. That's his biggest issue. And, and in that game, you know, those four interceptions that were thrown, you know, they still had the, the game was in reach. I mean, at the end of the day, you, you make some unfortunate errors, throws a couple picks, and but you're still in reach. I think that the onus falls a little bit like Joe said on the offensive coordinator or the guy who's calling plays. When you when you have running backs that are averaging excess of eight yards per carry and you refuse to run the ball and you put your quarterback in constant uh, situations where he's forced to throw the ball, that causes that that causes for a lot of issues in my opinion. Um, you know, because you you gotta be able to live and die by what's got you to that point and Baker Mayfield has not gotten you there he wasn't the reason why the Browns were having success earlier in the season he wasn't the reason why the Browns would potentially ever win the Super Bowl there's going to be the running game and playing outstanding defense and the Browns just get away from that and and numerous games they've gotten away from running the ball which has got you there even Dearness Johnson had games where he ran for over 100 yards with with uh, Chubb and, and Hunt out, but you got to stick to what you do well. And that, and that I think that falls on the offensive coordinator and the head coach. Yeah, and what they do well is not Baker Mayfield nor the offense. This team has been in shambles, and they now have to go to Pittsburgh in what's going to be a playoff eliminator game. We got to get going. Joe's got another show to get to. Busy man that he is. Joe Vaughn's got a lot of obligations as well, but we appreciate you joining us for Overreaction Monday. We're back later this week to preview Brown Steelers and the Buffalo Bills, what could be an easy path to division title for them. Enjoy your Monday. Enjoy the week before New Year's.